Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Well, if you're uh, visiting with us online, we want to welcome you. We're going to jump into the message uh, today and uh, just do a quick prayer, and we're going to jump into the series. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to our heart. You're changing our lives. You're transforming us by your spirit. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the spirit is saying today. And everybody said, amen. 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 So um, so we're finished. We're not finishing. We're almost finished. Next week will be our last week, but we're doing a series on growing up and talking about growing up spiritually, of course. And um, just a quick review. Two weeks ago, as we started this series, we started... Um, you know, we started talking about this, but not from a natural perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. And uh, our key verse was First John chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. And I'm just going to read it. It says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you've known the father. I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And uh, you have overcome the wicked one. And so this passage of scripture is very unique. And a lot of people never, I, I for many years did not understand it. But now I understand it a little better. And I think what's happening here is John is speaking and he's trying to help people understand that the, the, uh, the natural realm is just a reflection of the spiritual realm. In, in the natural, we have three stages of development. We have childhood, we have adolescence, and we have adulthood, right? And so in the same way in the spiritual realm, how many know, you know, you come as a little child? The Bible says you must be born again. You must come into the world or into the spirit realm through your salvation experience, okay? And so... Uh, the reason why we're focusing on this series is so we can understand where we're at in our spiritual development, number one. And secondly, so we can respond to and mentor people effectively in their faith, okay? And so first week, we talked about childhood. We talked about infancy, okay? Being a little child is a time when you're dependent, okay? You're dependent on your parents for protection, for guidance, and for development. And as 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 new believers coming into the church, coming into the household of God, uh, there is a dependency on good teaching. There's a dependency uh, for spiritual support and dependency, uh, you know, pastor, can you pray with me? I'm really struggling. Can you help me understand this? There's, there's a whole time of understanding that has to be developed in a little child's life. All right? There's, there's ignorance there. Okay? And when my cousins told me when I was a kid, and they said, you know what, you know what, we can, we can shut down the farmer's electric fence. I said, how do we do that? Well, you just pee on it. <laughs> now, how many know that was a shocking experience? <laughs> but I, I was ignorant. I didn't realize that electricity would travel through water, right, or liquid. And so it was very, very shocking experience. But I, I was ignorant of understanding electricity, right? And, and as little children, we're dependent on people to protect us and to take us up and to help us develop. Okay. I also, when I was young, I was also ignorant because people always said, Travis, you couldn't hit the side of a barn. Like we used to throw these throwing knives and I had really bad aim. I could never hit the side of a barn. That's what they told me. So I believed I can't hit the side of a barn. So when my little brother was running ahead of me, I thought I'm going to throw a knife at him because I cannot hit the side of a barn. I'll just throw it in this direction. So I th- my, my brother's running this way 
So I threw it up here in the air, like the stupidest thing to do. And somehow he, he decided to change his course of direction. He's running this way, and then he started running this way. And I'm like, no. And the knife came down right in the top of his head. Okay, five years old. Ran by me yelling, ah! and there's a knife, and I'm chasing him, trying to get the knife out because my dad's going to get me, right? Uh, but I was ignorant, didn't realize that, you know what, it's not a good idea. And, you know, people come into the church, and they do things, and they don't know. It's just they just don't know that they don't know that that's a bad idea. Don't do that, right? And so as, as people who are mature, we need to realize that you, you, you discipline children differently uh, through redirection, that's how you correct people. You don't, you kind of redirect them. You don't like come down hard on them, right? And that's what Jesus did with, you know, the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes. He sat down and he loved on them and he said, hey, listen, you know, God loves you. He wants to forgive you. Go and sin no more. A lot of mercy. But when he sat with the religious leaders who thought they knew everything and should have known better, he would call them brood of vipers and snakes and all kinds of, why? Because it's like, you should know better. You're keeping people from entering the kingdom because you're putting your expectations on them when they haven't got the knowledge to understand yet. Amen? So how many know that little children stage is what we talked about the first week. The second, second week, we talked about adolescence. Adolescence is a great stage of development. It's a, a stage of development where you become independent. And this is a stage where you know that you know. You have knowledge. When I came out of Bible school, I thought I knew everything. And, you know, well, that, you know, that person's off theologically because I learned this and they're wrong. And, and, you know, I know how I can fix this problem. And I'm the answer to the problem. And, and that's that, that teenage stage. We see it in the natural, too. How many have got teenagers? Let me see your hands, right? You know, they love you. They respect you. You could do no wrong. And then suddenly they hit puberty. And it's like, Dad, we're not living in the 70s anymore. Come on, right? You know what I'm talking about? That, hey, we can do it. We know everything, right? And so there's this, this idea of becoming independent, which is a really good thing, because how many know we have to be independent? You know, there's a time when you need to learn to pray for yourself and, and to search the scriptures for yourself. You can't come to pastor every week and say, I'm really having a hard week. Well, you've been saved 20 years. I know, but I need your help. No, you need to become independent. You need to be able to go to the word for yourself. Self-feed, right? Self-feed. Very, very important. So becoming independent. You're fighting your own battles. You're finding your identity. And number three, there's a focus on self. And that's okay. Because all three stages of development lay the foundation. Every stage of development lays the foundation for the next stage of growth. If you don't know as a child that your sins are forgiven and that God loves you unconditionally, when you start learning the scripture and start gaining knowledge, guess what happens? You're going to be off tilter right? You're going to be an adolescent that's a little bit off-tilter. How many hear what I'm saying? Because you need that foundation of love and acceptance. When you have that, then you begin to learn the scripture. and You learn it healthy. And then you become a mother and father. But if you're a mother and father and you haven't learned the word of God, how many know you're not going to be a great mother and father in the faith, right? So we see these kind of stages here. Uh, it, 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 you know, the spiritual is really a reflection of the natural, or the natural is a reflection of the spiritual. So becoming independent from mom and dad is a good thing. Say it's a good thing, okay? Next point here. As little children, you're gaining knowledge. Okay? You're learning that it's not a good idea. When I was little, I shared this in the first week, I took a knife and I stuck it in a light socket. It blew me across the wall and made a hole in the drywall. 
Like, it was bad. So my parents learned, hey, i got to put little covers in the, in, you know, because it, kids don't know better, right? There's ignorance, right? You're gaining knowledge, sometimes the hard way. I shouldn't do that, right? Shouldn't throw a knife in my, my, my brother's head. Big spanking for that. I shouldn't do that. Bad, right? So, so you're gaining knowledge, right? And as an adolescent, the next point, you're gaining understanding. So now you're taking that knowledge and it's becoming part of you. And it's becoming, underst- okay, I understand. I shouldn't put the fork with a knife in the light socket. That doesn't work well. I shouldn't pee on an electric fence. Not a good idea, right? You begin to get some understanding and you begin to develop, but then you think you know it all. And you think you, you have it all together. But the next one is as an adult, you're gaining wisdom. And wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. That's what wisdom is. And so sometimes we have people who are in ministry, who are pastors and leaders, who are still adolescent, right? And they're making decisions based on things that they think are important, like title and what do people think of me and am I, you know, am I good? You know, and it's all about me, 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 right? But as an adult, you're gaining wisdom and you want to speak to people in such a way that you're not hurting them, but you're helping them. How many know we can use the word of God? We can really hurt people. How many, lift your hands if you know what I'm talking about. We can hurt people if we say something. We can say the same thing with a different tone, with a different approach, and we can help them. And that's what wisdom is. It's a correct application of knowledge. And God wants us to become mature and to grow and to develop. Every stage of development is good. Every stage of development is necessary. It lays the foundation for the next stage of development. So today what I want to talk to you about is spiritual maturity, being a father and mother in faith. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 16, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay? And This is so important. This will continue until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. See, I underlined that. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Okay? Now, teaching is going to come until we become mature measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That word standard means height, okay, or it means build, okay? Now, I've known guys that have pictures of guys on their wall. Everyone just woke up. Great. Because I I have friends that were into bodybuilding, right? So they'll have a picture of a bodybuilder flexing, and then what they do is they work out, and they're like, okay, I got to get, especially, you know, guys who are doing it professionally, like got Arnold Schwarzenegger, right, back in the day, right? He was winning all the time. And they were like, you know, look at Arnold's triceps. I need, I, we need to develop that area. And they stand in the mirror and they look at Arnold and they say, okay, I, I need that. So I'm going to work. And then the next day they look, oh, a little better. I'm going to work some more. And they're measuring themselves to the build of Arnold or whoever. It's a standard. And we're to build our, we're supposed to look at Christ and we're supposed to build ourselves to his standard, right? Who was Jesus? So in other words, okay, whatever stage you're in, you're to measure yourself up to Jesus, okay? And, and, um, you know, um, we're looking at Jesus and we're saying we're going to 
there's areas we have to work on. I'm just trying to think. Of, okay, for example, um, you, as a chi- spiritual child, you have to look and say, am I, forgiving, am I forgiving my neighbor? Am I forgiving people who have harmed me the way Jesus has forgiven me? When I read the scripture and I see him forgiving, when he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They put him on a cross. And you know what? My, my co-worker has said this to me, has, has character assassinated me. And, and am I able to measure up to that and say, God, I choose to forgive them. See, I'm, are we measuring ourselves to one another or are we measuring ourselves to Christ? And those who are mature understand we have to measure ourselves, the, the, the height and the build of Jesus. Not that we're going to arrive this side of eternity, but that's the goal. That's the blueprint. That's what we're aiming for. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right? Um, so let's move on here. Verse 14. When Then we will no longer be immature like children. When we measure ourselves to Christ, we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever it sounds like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in what? In love. See, when you're mature, you're speaking the truth in love. You're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking, you're thinking about the other person, okay? Growing in every way more and more like who? Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and strong and growing and full of love, okay? So being an adolescent in the spirit, is really about gaining knowledge and understanding. However, the focus is still on self. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? i got to identify what's God's promises. See, an adolescent looks to the cross for provision. A spiritually mature person picks up his cross and follows Christ. You see the difference? And it's okay, even if you're a spiritually mature person, we always look to the cross for provision. We always look, hey, what are the blessings of God? What is his... His promises for me. We always look for provision, but it's not just about that. Now it's about going deeper, saying, Christ, Lord, I want to carry my cross. I want to suffer with you. I want to I go to that next level of growth, right? Because as you grow spiritually, your focus shifts to helping others and not thinking about yourself. I know this isn't a message that tickles our ears. Is that okay? I, I just kind of want to hit home because what is Paul saying? Next verse, okay? Next verse, verse 16. Okay. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. See, God is concerned about the whole body. Look at your neighbor and say, God's concerned about you. See, God's concerned, not just concerned about, about, uh, the one per, about yourself. He's concerned about everyone around you. And he's saying here, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Every single one of you have a special work that God has ordained for you to do. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. That's what it's about. So mothers and fathers are not only thinking about themselves, but their kids, their grandkids, and they're willing to suffer a little bit to see them blessed because they're not just thinking about themselves anymore. Amen? Now, it's okay to think about yourself, but also think about others. 
And 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 to 14, we'll go to the verse here. And we're going to skip down right to it. It talks about fathers. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. And if we jump down to verse 14, he says the same thing. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. And you know, I've always wondered what in the world does that mean and why did he say it twice? Was someone talking during a sermon? I don't know. And I think it means this, because as I prayed about it and I studied it and looked into it, this is what I think it means, and I'm going to share it with you. When I was young, I knew my natural father, my father. Um, I knew him as daddy. I knew him differently. I knew, I knew that he was my father. I was dependent on him. He paid the bills. Uh, you know, he could do nothing wrong. He was my daddy. Uh, but I had limited knowledge or understanding about what he did and why he did it, okay? And when I got older, I, I, I now know him who is from the beginning, okay? So I look back to the beginning of my journey on the earth, and I can see how my father did certain things that helped me and were for my benefit. I couldn't see it at the time, but I see it as I'm more mature. Does this make sense? Okay? And um, now that I'm independent... I have some understanding. My relationship with my father is that he's not just my daddy. Now he's my friend, right? And that's why, you know, God spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham is my friend. I'm going to share his, I'm going to share my heart with my friend. How many know you can have a friendship as an adult with your father that you couldn't have when you were a child? How many, how many are on the same page? Okay. So as a child, we moved a lot. Uh, you know, I was 12 years of age. We moved from Cornwall, Ontario. We moved to Mississauga. And from the ages of 12 to 16, in four years, we moved to three different locations. And it drove me nuts. And I thought, it's so unfair. Why is my mom and dad, we move into a place, get to know a few kids, starting to build my life, and then they uproot us and move again. And it bothered me as a child, and I thought it was selfish of my parents as a child. But um, I didn't understand what was really going on. So a few months ago, I was in conversation with my dad. I said, Dad, what was going on? And he said, well, originally we moved to Toronto because we wanted to put you and your brothers in a Christian school. And they had an amazing Christian school in Mississauga. They didn't have anything in Cornwall. So that's why we moved originally to Mississauga. I said, okay, well, we moved into a house. We were there for three months, this little shabby rental place. We were there for three months. And I was starting to make friends. And then all of a sudden, you moved us to another house. What, why did you do that, Dad? Well, the interest rate was really high in the 80s. You guys remember the double-digit interest rates in the 80s? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And we moved in, and there was no housing on the market, and they had to find something affordable. So there was nothing on the market, so we moved into a rental for three months until we could find a house. Oh, okay. Well, then we moved into the house. That's why we moved, and then we lived there. I said, Dad, you only lived there for a year. We started to make friends, and then you sold the house. Beautiful house, and we moved. Why did you sell the house? Well, what happened was... And he began to share. I needed to start a business because I wasn't making enough and I wanted to keep you in Christian education. So I sold the house. We took the money out of the house and we invested it into starting a small business. And he started a machine shop. And he goes, then there was a big sacrifice that we made. And, that. and then I began to understand, okay, hold on. 
I understand now the sacrifices my father was making because he cared for me and he loved me. It wasn't that he was trying to ruin my life. And sometimes knowing God from the beginning as you get older, and I know Neil and Mark, you guys understand, looking back over your life as a Christian, and you say, why did I go through that? I don't understand. I thought God wasn't with me. But you look back now and you say, God was doing this for my benefit. He was taking me through situations. He was building me up. And Job could say, though you slay me, I will trust you, Lord. Because we begin to know God from the beginning. We see the bigger picture that God is with us. And, and, and as we get older, we, we become more dependable to him. And instead of knowing it all, we say, we know the one who knows. Let's pray about it. He says, God's ways are so far above our ways. Amen. And we begin to see God's blessing and provision in a whole another way. You know, parents make sacrifices for their children. And I know, I know my father would be upset because he's probably never shared this with the church. But years ago, you know, my dad was here first. And my mother and father went to the bank and the board, the board at the time, we were getting a mortgage to buy this building. And they looked, the banks looked, well, you got 60 people coming to the church. We're not going to give you a mortgage for whatever the amount was. And so my mother and father remortgaged their house and took a risk and made a sacrifice and purchased this was under their name. And they never told you because they don't want they don't want you to know that they were making sacrifice because that's what a mother and father does. They're looking out for the body. They're looking out for their children. Does that make sense? Right? And that's what a mother and father does. They don't look out just for their own interests, but for the interests of others. They make sacrifices that other people don't make. And they don't want people to know they're making the sacrifice because it's not for them to get recognition. And as believers, It shouldn't be about recognition. Let's look at this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests. It's okay to have your own interests and your own goals and your own plans. Take care of yourself, but take an interest in others also. And this is what mothers and fathers do. Verse 5 says, you must have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. What was that attitude? Let's read about it in Philippians 2.6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Like, that's why, you know, there's even debate in different, you know, religious circles saying, well, Jesus never really said, I am the son of, he didn't say, I am God. He said, I was the son. And there's debate whether or not he was divine. We know he is, if you study scripture. But he wasn't running around going, hey, I'm equal with God, you know. He didn't do that because he, he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And that was his heart. Not to flex his muscles, but to help people. He didn't, he didn't hold that as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. He appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Parents make sacrifices. Now, God spoke to me to preach. I don't like public speaking. It's a sacrifice. I'd prefer someone else be up here. Honestly, I'm an introvert. I'm not a, I'm not a talkative person. If you're around me, like Travis doesn't talk much. But, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Sometimes he does. Sometimes he talks too much. But, 
But no, but this, when I started ministry, it was a sacrifice. It was like, God, I'm going to do this because there's a need. I'm going to be a youth leader because the pastor needs a youth leader. I'm going to serve at the door because, because I'm making a sacrifice because you care about your kids. And I, I want to be able to pour and I want to help other people because you care about other people. And I'm going to take my mind off myself. And there's great, great reward in doing that. When you pick up your cross, say, you know what? I'd rather not do this, but I'm going to do it because people need help. That's an attitude of a mother and father. Can I hear amen? I know how many know uh, Hannah's doing really good. You guys know my daughter. She's, she's, in, uh, she's in Georgia. And um, so uh, she called us. She said, in Georgia, in September, it rains 27 hours a day. There's just rain, 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 rain. And uh, so she has a brand new tent that she sent, but it was a little bit of a cheaper tent. And uh, she said, Dad, my tent has puddles of water in it. And so she's built up the center of her tent, and she's put a sleeping bag in the center, uh, and then all the water flows around her. There's literally a pool of water. And I said, honey, I'm sending you a $500 hiker's tent. I'm sending you a tent in the mail. It's all going to be taken care of. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. And, and then the next day, she contacted me. She said, dad, do not send me a better tent, right? And I said, why? She goes, listen, I'm on a little bit of a hill. The other missionaries are at the bottom of the hill, and they're way worse. And I don't want to have a better tent. It's good for me to learn to suffer. It's good for me to learn adversity in life. And if I get a better tent, then, then it's going to be like they can't have a better tent. So I, you know, and, and I was so proud of her. I said, okay, fine. Can I send you a life jacket? <laughs> so she said, yes, yeah. so I'm going to send her a life jacket, right? So those who are mature will choose, and choose sacrifice over self-comfort. I, I'd rather make a sacrifice than have comfort in my life. When you're willing to suffer with Christ, power is made available, okay? In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, uh, Paul says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. In other words, he's not going to set up and have a church in a low-income area and then live in a million-dollar home, right? I share in their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with who? Everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. Why? Because God loves people. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. That's my heart. Because I care about God and what he wants. Amen? In Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. That's a present tense. Jesus is suffering right now. Every time someone walks into a church, God led them to a church to get saved, and they don't answer the altar call, and they walk out and say, you know what, maybe another day. God's heart is broken. God weeps. He weeps because he's like, I just want them to know God. I want them to know me. Every time someone goes hungry or a child is abused or there's a war breaking out, God's heart is bleeding. And he's asking, and, and this is what Paul is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer with Jesus. If there's a problem, I'm going to get in the midst of it, and I'm going to try to help the problem because I'm going to suffer with him. That's what parents do. They suffer with their children. You know what I mean? I love roller coasters. How many love roller coasters here? I love roller coasters. So I go to Wonderland because I'm a thrill seeker, right? And I'm standing in line, and I've been thinking about it all week. I'm going to get on this roller coaster, and I stand in a line, and I got my two kids with me, or two of my kids with me, and there's a little child with me. And someone has to watch the child while the others go on the ride. As much as I want to go on that roller coaster, I'm going to say to my kid, hey, listen, I really want to go on that, but I want to see you guys enjoy it. I'm going to watch the baby. 
Okay? And that's what it's like when you're spiritually mature. It's like, you know what? I'd really like to be on the worship team. I really want to be the worship leader. I really would like to have this ministry. But you know what? I'd rather see you blessed. I'd rather watch. And it's such a freeing place when you get to that place where I said to someone this morning, I said, hey, you know, why don't you preach next week, right? Because it's not, I don't cling to my position. I cling to the relationships that God is birthing in his kingdom. Can I hear amen? Okay. Um, Mothers and fathers are dependable, knowing the one who knows. And um, let's just jump down to our next slide. How are fathers and mothers dependable? Number one. They'd rather serve than be served. They'd rather give than receive. Their focus is on the development of others. And they're willing to make sacrifices. Right? And um, what keeps us in the stage of adolescence? Um, Fear of failure and supporting others. No, fear of failure, right? In supporting others. That really is an issue. People are afraid. Like, if I take that next step, if I, if I serve in this area, if I try to help people, I might fail. It's like the, sometimes uh, a young person stays in their, the basement of their parent because it's like, ah, they don't want to take the risk of, you know, getting a mortgage or renting, and I, I might fail if I do this or if I extend myself. But listen, God is with us, and God is calling us all to a higher place. So we rebuke fear in the name of Jesus, and we say, yes, Lord. Number two, lack of humility, just choosing to be selfish. Jesus talks about the sowers and the seeds, and he says some seeds fall on, you know, um, thorny ground. That's it, thorny ground. And the thorns grow up, and they choke the plant, and it doesn't get to the fruit-bearing season. And that Growing of those weeds represents the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It's like, you know, it's more important that I'm, I'm making money, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that than serving in God's house. And you can get caught up in that, and then you can get choked out. God wants you to bear fruit, but you never get to it. You hear an amen. Okay? And the next one is a wrong response to the Lord's discipline. A, a wrong response to the Lord's discipline. You know, sometimes we, we take discipline the wrong way. And God wants to discipline us because he cares for us, right? Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. And so God is so good. Amen? And so when we look, when we look at this, this stage of development, childhood is like the shallow end of the pool. Everyone's wearing water wings and flutterboards, right? And that's a place where people are learning to swim, because they want to get to the deep end. The deep end of the pool represents theology, gifts of the spirit, leadership ability, position, all that stuff. That's the deep end. But then there's another position that a lot of people don't think about. And, you know, when I was 17, I had my best friend, Derek. Uh, you know, I was, I was probably about 16 at the time. But my best friend, and I was better than him at a lot of things. I was a better skateboarder, better wrestler, better, you know, you know I was just better. And we would be very competitive and so he got a job as a lifeguard at this pool in this building. And it's interesting because I didn't know this because he didn't talk about it, but he was going to be, his mom and dad didn't have a lot of money, so they couldn't afford it. But he was going to be in the Olympics for swimming. He was one of those kids, you know, they throw the baby in the water when they're born and they learn to swim. He was phenomenal. I didn't know. So I'm like, oh, you're a lifeguard. So I went to the pool 
and I'm, I'm like, okay, it's my buddy's a lifeguard. And I start jumping off in the deep end and uh, making tidal waves and fooling. And he's correcting me and rebuking me. He's like, you need to stop that. And I'm like, whoa, you know, what side of the bed did you wake up? What's wrong with you? And he was like correcting me and directing me because he, as a lifeguard now in that position, in that chair, was responsible for the little kids. He was responsible for the adults. He was responsible for those in the deep end. And he was also responsible for the chemical balance of the pool, the water. As a spiritual parent, we're responsible. When you see bitterness rising up or envy and jealousy or unforgiveness, we, 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 oh, we got we to gotta fix the waters. And we come in and we bring correction. We help bring direction, right? That's what he did as a lifeguard. And I thought, he's really irritating me. He's giving me a hard time. Who does he think he is, right? And uh, so he's correcting me, and he's like a totally different guy because now he's sitting in the lifeguard's chair, and he's taking care of everybody in the pool, He's thinking about the young ones who can't swim. He's thinking about the ones who can swim. He's correcting those like myself who think they're all that. Right? That was his job. And then during the break time, he's like, hey, I'm going to jump in and swim with you guys. And I was trying to impress a girl. There's a girl on the deck. And, and I was like, hey, you know, watch me. And I'm like swimming. And I think I'm all great. Right? I'm swimming across the pool. I'm racing kids in the pool. I'm a great swimmer. I swam in, uh, in this. In the, I thought I was anyway. Um, Sea Cadets, yeah. So I, I ran uh, across Canada. All the swimmers came. And I think one time I came in third place. So I thought, hey, I was all that in a bag of chips. That's from the 80s, by the way. <laughs> then he jumps in the pool and starts racing with me. And I, I've never seen somebody swim so fast. Has anyone ever seen an Olympic swimmer up close? They're like, you, you literally can run beside them. They're like, and he was doing the, uh, the crawl there. What's the one with the two arms there? Butterfly. And he was doing it without making any splash. How do you do that without a splash? And he, he went across the pool and back before I could go across once. I'm like, you're making me look bad, right? And, but he was a swimmer, and he knew his gifts and his talents. The best swimmer in the pool is the lifeguard. And God is calling this church and churches across this nation, believers who have been stuck in the deep end in adolescence, say, listen, I want you to be a lifeguard. I want you to be a coach. I want you to be a life coach. I want you to get in there with the little kids and teach them how to swim so they can get to the deep end, so that they can get to the lifeguard chair themselves and start the cycle over and over again. That's spiritual maturity, right? Amen? And these are the reasons why we stay back. Fear of failure, lack of humility, and the wrong response to the Lord's discipline. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your presence. Lord, this is a, can be seen, I guess, as a difficult word, a difficult message, but it isn't because, God, you're illuminating our hearts so we can see if we're stuck in a stage because, God, you're calling us up. You're calling us higher. You're saying, I want you to be ones who don't just think about your own needs and desires, but thinks about the needs and desires of others. God, I feel that you're calling. And I just want to see your hands. If God is calling you, you just feel God impressing upon your heart just to begin to um, think more of others and to serve. Just lift your hands. Just lift them up briefly here. See your hands. See God's calling us higher. I see hands going up everywhere. Father, I thank you for every hand raised and every person in this place, God, that we're identifying where we're at and we're saying, yes, God, we're coming up higher to that place of service in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. While everybody's standing, I want to say this. If you don't know Jesus 
as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching us online, listen, you're not here by accident. You're not online by accident. God drew you because he desires to have a relationship with you. His heart bleeds for you. He died for you. He paid the ultimate price for your salvation. And so if you don't know him, you need to know him today. And you want to know him, just lift your hand right now. I'm going to pray with you. I see hands going up. That's awesome. We're going to pray right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins and washing them away. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. I want to begin to grow spiritually and ultimately become your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.